Today, we are going to be covering the box office report, Charlie Kaufman's comments on the current state of Hollywood, best picture pie, not box office this time, the plot rumors on the upcoming Avengers sequels, Florence Pugh being eyed to play Rapunzel, Lupita Nyong'o being eyed to play Princess Tiana, House of the Dragon season two to be eight episodes long, not 10 episodes. And for our grand finale, we'll finish off with Logan Paul's comments on Oppenheimer. All right, you movie junkies and pop culture enthusiasts, you're ready for another exciting episode of Let's Be Real. I'm your host, James, and I am not graced in the presence of Nan today. He is away from me, but we are doing this remotely. I do apologize if the audio quality is not as good. We are doing this through Zoom and not the usual way we do it. But Nan, how are we doing, man? Good, very good. Away from Auckland, which is nice. Nice and full (laughs) for once doing a podcast. It's great. <laughs> Not starving this time, are you? <laughs> Not starving. Got my drinks here. <laughs> Straight after work. Go. Yeah. Yep. Don't have to wait till what 11 p.m. for dinner now. <laughs> <laughs> no. No. Not at all. Yeah. What? What have you been getting up to down there? Nothing much. Just chilling. Dad's giving me tasks of water blasts in the house, so I have to do that eventually. But it's and been your raining. only job for a month. Oh. Making sure the dog doesn't die. That's the other probably more important one. Yeah. But weather's been pretty yeah, weather been weather has been pretty been pretty shit um the weekend, so it couldn't do that much. Yeah, yeah, don't worry. Yeah, Auckland was really bad. Uh, just you know, stormy the entire time. Yeah. Good old That's New okay. Zealand weather. Yeah. All right. So before we dive into action, we want to hear from you guys. Slide into our DMs on Twitter with your suggestions and any topics or ideas that you'd like us to cover. Who knows? Might just make it onto our show. Now, if you're wondering what we look like, trust me, you're in for a treat. We look way better than we sound. So click that subscribe button, follow our podcast, support the show, and support our endeavor to get onto video. All right. For more exclusive content, head to our website, movieants.com. We got all of our uh, stuff there, box office, physical media, movie reviews, you name it. Shout out to you guys for listening to us today. It is a pleasure to be a part of your day, and we're here to entertain, inform, and provide bad movie recommendations. So without further ado, let's get to it. So the box office for the weekend, Blue Beetle debuts at number one with $25.4 million. Barbie at second with 21.5 million, just dropping 36.5% for 567 million in total. Oppenheimer is third, dropped 43.7% for 10.6 million on the weekend. That's sitting at 285 million in total. Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles, Mutant Mayhem, still a mouthful to say, that came in at fourth, dropped 45% for 8.4 million, and that's sitting at 88 million. Strays debuted at 8.3 million in the fifth spot. Some milestones for the weekend. Oppenheimer got an interesting record. Uh, highest grossing movie to never hit number one. Um, it beats the movie Sing, the animated uh, singing animals movie. Uh, that that had $270 million in total, and Oppenheimer is at 285 and it's never hit number one. So, yeah, interesting record there. Oppenheimer also tops Interstellar for Nolan's fourth biggest movie. Um, it's sitting below The Dark Knight Rises, The Dark Knight, and Inception. Uh, Elemental beats across the Spider-Verse internationally with 458 million worldwide. Talk to me. 
has now made 10 times its budget with 46 million. Barbie's sitting at 1.27 billion, less than 100 million away from the Super Mario's Mario Bros. movie for the box office crown for this year. And Barbie also, Warner Brothers' biggest film all time domestically. So, yeah, man, what do you make of this weekend and some of those milestones there? Yeah, Blue Beetle is about what everyone was expecting, especially you. I think you got it right on the money, right? 25. Yeah, yeah, around the 24 to 26 mark, I said. Mm. Yeah, so there's no surprises to that. Um, I think it's maybe because of the DC brand and the unknown character of Blue Beetle, which is why um, barely anyone showed up to it. But um, that's pretty decent considering the circumstances. Mm. Um, like with Shazam, at least it had like a movie to build up towards and it's more popular than Blue Beetle. But the fact that Blue Beetle did this, I, I think it's a win for DC. Um, yeah. For the new DCU and hopefully can have some <laughs> decent, <laughs> decent legs um, overall. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, some of the milestones that first one from Oppenheimer is like one that no one really wants eh? <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> like never hitting number one but like being the highest grossing movie as well that's insane. it's still yeah it's, it's just quite an impressive record to get to like nearly 300 million without ever hitting like the number one spot yeah crazy uh. <laughs> um elemental being across the spider verse that's somewhat surprising but they're not surprising at the same time um, just goes mm. to show that that film had insane legs since its um opening weekend and is a huge yeah. one for um Pixar regardless um of how mm-hmm. much money it made. Talk to me, we're yeah. definitely going to get a we're definitely going to get more sequels now after that. Uh, ten times <laughs> its budget, that's insane for like a indie horror film. That's crazy. Yeah, <laughs> yeah all, all the rest mm. is pretty much stock standard. Um, come next mm. week, um, Barbie will probably be the highest grossing film of twenty three. Um, for sure. Yeah. Um, well, general, I don't know. You don't think carry so? on, sorry. Yeah. And um, Barbie being the biggest Warner Brothers film of all time, and domestically, just goes to show the power of a meme and how great that can do for not only just Warner Brothers but Universal as mm. well. Yeah, yeah. Barbie. I mean, I don't think anyone saw Barbie taking away the biggest film for Warner Brothers domestically. I think The Dark Knight is their number one, um, or it was their number one. Um, but I, I just think it's nuts that no Warner Brothers movie has gone above what The Dark Knight did. You know, you, you think of Warner Brothers, and you think it's like the second biggest Warner Brothers, yeah. or the second biggest studio. Yeah, so I found that to be uh, the most surprising factor of it. But... Yeah, Barbie at 1.27 billion. I, I don't think next week it will um, because it only got, oh, I got about 21 million this weekend. And then I think it got around like 36 um, internationally. So when you include the drops and stuff like that, I still think it's pacing for about 1.42 to 1.45 billion by the end of it, which isn't too much above Super Mario Bros, but I, it will definitely beat it. But I think, um, wait for around that two week mark for it to to do it um for it to get another 80 90 million maybe a bit out of length but it's definitely possible um but yeah i i think elemental has just had such a crazy run at the, at the box office it just continues to just keep going and it's completely deserved pixar needed a win and i'm glad they're rewarded with a win for a movie that's uh good and somewhat original uh unlike lightyear which lost money uh because it was horrible 
and a stupid idea to begin with. Um, you hate that movie so much. I've I've never liked that movie. I, ever since I heard about it at D23, I've disliked it. I, I thought it was the worst idea ever. Um, but yeah, Stray's dropping, or not dropping, but debuting at 8.3 million. I did expect a little bit more. Something around the 10 to 11 mark. Um, kind of just goes to show comedy and you know being released these days compared to everything else but yeah blue beetle opening up at the 25 million markets it's, it's i think it's okay given the circumstances and and that's what i'll it's still a bomb at, at the end of the day and we shouldn't shy away from that but under the circumstances the dc brand the dcu all this kind of stuff and the fact that it's an unknown character it's it's okay um, because I think it got like 44 million worldwide in its opening, and it's open in 65 markets. So most of the marketplace in 45 million opening. It might it might do less than um Shazam. And that's yeah. Oh, that's that's yikes. Poor poor DC. The you Warner Brothers better be happy they got Barbie this year, man, because my goodness, I don't know if Warner Brothers would be around eh, after it. Um, it's not looking good for them. It's not looking good for them, nor is it looking good for Disney or anything else. Um, it's been a been a tough year for a, a lot of studios. Uh, so that that brings me to uh Charlie Kaufman. He um he wrote Eternal Sunshine of the Spotless Mind. Being John Malkovich, it's one of the best screenwriters of his time. So he he was making a point at uh, Writers Guild, um, Writers Guild, a uh, thing in front of the members and stuff. And yeah, he, he was saying uh, at this point, the only thing that makes money is garbage. It's just fascinating. It makes a fortune and that's the bottom line. Said that it's it's very seductive to the studios and also to the people who engage and become the makers of that garbage, including the writers, especially if they're lauded for the garbage because they don't have to look inward or think about what they're doing. Uh, yeah, and he's just, he's just referring to writers being praised for garbage material. Yeah, he said to the the audience at the Writers Guild that the AI issue is broadened by the fact that the writers have been trained to eat and make the garbage too. So as long as they are in the arena of making that shit, then you might as well have the AI do it. Um, some, I mean, I don't, I don't really know how to articulate it, but he didn't uh, beat around the bushes. Very direct. <laughs> Holy fuck. I mean, yeah. Uh, <laughs> I I, I kind of respect it that that he was that direct about it. But what are your what are your thoughts on it? Do you agree with those? You know, kind of cutthroat comments there. <sighs> um, some of it I do. Uh, um, mainly that first point, uh, where you say that the only thing that makes money is garbage. Um, majority of the stuff nowadays that we see is not of that great quality that we see. Um, in mm-hmm. the past. Um, thing that outliers would be Barbie, Oppenheimer, and Avatar. That mean like very decent films but stuff like mario that was pretty mm-hmm. average and then like the transformers fast and furiouses you know they're all just yeah. mindless sort of garbage um mm. which she's probably referring to and the fact that it keeps like you know getting sequels upon sequels like eight and ten of them yeah it, yeah sort of solidifies his points that there's not that many um original films out there that's making money and making money is not mm. like has had a billion dollars it can like be yeah. two three four five hundred million above its budget and that and that's yeah. a success um good thing talk to me is around and is doing betting on doing just that um, 
that behalf. So that's good on that. Um, in terms of all the writer's stuff, I can't tell if he's for or against the writers in their striking. Just looking at these comments, it seems like as if he's like not on their side. Um, no, no, he, he definitely supports him. He was in, oh. in amongst this whole speech. He was calling out the studios for, um, you know, really bad pay packages and stuff. So he is in support of them, but I think he's voicing something a little bit deeper here. Yeah. Uh, that yeah. last point in regards to AI writing stuff. I mean, you can. I wouldn't be surprised if we see that come next year or the year after. But yeah. it'd be good to see what that quality is like and see if it is like, you know, if AI is better than human. I doubt it because um, human just has that eye for detail and, and stuff yep. like that. <clears throat> Where AI mm. just just a robot, you know, doesn't really compel emotionally. can't tell an emotional story or whatnot, but yeah. 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 No, I mean, I completely agree. And AI... It, it doesn't have the human element, which is kind of what makes, you know, screenplays and narratives the best that they can be. Um, but I mean, on honest question, could an AI write a Fast and Furious or Transformers movie and say the studio kept it secret? Could the audience tell? Do you, do you think that would be possible? I doubt it. I don't think so. I mean, if... You think would tell? What wouldn't tell. Oh, yeah, yeah. I, I don't think we'll tell. Like, yeah, it's like you said, those, those movies are, they are very mindless, you know, uh, mindless movies. So, yeah. I mean, yeah. if you think about Secret Invasion and the opening credit scenes, no one would have thought that was done by AI until it was announced by studios. Yeah. Um, and then I mean, everyone was like, oh, yeah, we could tell. It looked like, it looked like garbage. It was like, fuck um, off, you could tell. <laughs> yeah. They, they, they couldn't tell. Um, but I mean, I don't obviously I don't agree with um, AI writing films, and I don't think you do either. But if if they are going to do you know Fast and Furious and Transformers movies and have really bad writing and not be held accountable for that writing, then yeah, then just do AI. Like, um, yeah, I think writers themselves need to be writing of better quality, and studios. I think we're all stuck in this loop of just accepting mediocre stuff. And then it's like we were talking last week, the studios, they buy into the idea that the cash audience loves all this stuff. They love Fast and Furious and Transformers, but that's all they're getting. So that's all they can go to. So it's not really a, a matter of that's what they want or that's what they love. It's just, that's what they see. Um, but yeah, I obviously don't want AI to be writing anything. I want it to be used as a tool um, to help with different areas, but not to write the main thing because we are we would lose the the human side of it, which I think is very important to uh, to screenplays and stuff. Yeah, agreed. Um, yeah, we'll move on now to our most delicious segment that we do. I am uh, fucking thankful I ate before this podcast. If I, if I was still in Auckland and I saw another pie segment with no pie, I'd be so mad and hungry that I would <laughs> well, just I would, I would have brought a pie if you were around, but I guess I might have to have a pie after this podcast to, to celebrate. Um, all right. So um, for those of you that haven't listened to one of these segments before, basically what we do or what I do um, for this one is that I break up um, – Anything that has, at least for this example, anything that has a chance to win best picture at the end of the year, 
gets a slice of the pie. Uh, so I've noted down movies, and if a movie has zero percent, I believe it has zero percent chance to win Best Picture at the twenty twenty four Oscars. And you know, larger the percentage, that means I have more faith in that it will be nominated by the end of it. Uh, as for Best Picture itself, this is one that will change very, uh, very strongly over the time once we see the fall film festival. Uh, circuit start to play out and we start to see how good these movies are it will all change and you know we'll keep doing these as we lead up to the oscars and see if we are right by the end of it see if the pie tells the truth so we'll start off zero percenters here so this is the films that have zero percent chance of winning now they may be nominated but i believe there's a zero percent chance to win uh so we'll start off spider-man across the spider-verse zero percent um the fact, if I'm referring to a movie that has 0%, it means that it's in consideration to get a slice at some point, but not this time. And I don't think it will. Spider-Man Across the Spider-Verse. Yeah, um, only three animated movies have been nominated for Best Picture, and none has come close to winning it. So it's not going to happen here. Uh, Dumb Money. I think it might be a little bit too too goofy for the Academy. Um, we'll have to see. But there there is a strong potential there. Sometimes these movies do well, You know, referring to... Uh, the big short vice, those that kind of stuff. Um, even something like Wolf of Wall Street, which had the s- similar tone to it. Uh, Air, that's been uh, talked about quite heavily. I just don't think it will have the kind of um, memorable um, things in favor of it once we reach the year's end. And Barbie, I, I believe this movie is going to rack up a ton of awards on a ton of nominations, similar to Top Gun last year, and then kind of walk away with, no, perhaps one or two, but mostly empty-handed. Um, it, it, there's always that movie that makes you know a, a, an absurd amount of money, and it's good, and everyone loves it, and the Academy votes it in. That is Barbie for this year. All right, we'll move on to the one percent. One percent is now. So we got the Zone of Interest with a percent. Hearing stuff about that, that's going to debut soon. So we'll see how that is. The Killer by David Fincher. Um, you can never really rule Fincher out. But, you know, I'm, I'm not hearing um, the best things about it. So we'll have to see how that plays out. And I think it is a Netflix movie, which may dim its chances just slightly. And Poor Things with uh, Yorgos uh, Lanthimos. He, um, he's kind of a, he's a mixed bag in terms of Academy taste. He has a very distinct uh, style, similar to Wes Anderson. Not that they're similar. It's just how distinct the style is. Um, the filmmaking is very, very interesting. And so we have to see whether the Academy really does uh, buy into it. So deserves a percent, deserves to be discussed there. Uh, second one is Ferrari. Uh, I think this will be nominated as Michael Mann's uh, passion project as a director. So and when you got, um, you know, an A-lister like uh, Adam Driver, you know, being that being the main guy in that, it's uh, it's could be a good one. I think it's going to be something like Ford versus Ferrari in terms of quality, in terms of how it's received and how it's um, you know, Oscar situation fares out. Yeah. Uh, okay. And we go to the three percenters now. May December. Uh. Yeah. We, we've seen that one. It's it's very good. It's it's sharply written, but it's it's really only going to be a movie that's nominated for acting and um writing possibly directing but i don't think so and i will get that nomination I, I i think by the end of by the end of the year 
I just I, I don't think it's enough to uh, warrant a best picture win. Saltburn, uh, we saw what uh, Emerald Fennell did with Promising Young Woman, and um, yeah, she's a very promising director. Um, so, man, shaking his head. <laughs> um, so yeah, I I, th- I think there's big potential in this one. Maybe three percent's a little bit of a gamble at this point, but we'll start seeing the reaction soon. I just think she's a really so- strong chance after what we saw um previously. Moving on to Dune Part Two at five percent. Uh, yeah, you might be you might be thinking this one's a little low. I just don't buy the Academy. Um supporting or not supporting per se um not giving it to a conclusion of half a story i and the fact that they nominated uh dune one all the way or as how much as how big as they did that might hurt its chances here also dune uh part two is you know it's a lot of it's a lot more action and uh driven um in that kind of way maybe the academy doesn't buy it We'll have to see. I do think it's going to be up for a ton of awards. So if it's if it's much better than the first one, then it can gather some strong momentum. We'll have to see, though. It's it's just such a tough year for anything to really stand out. 6% is past lives. You know, it's always it's been sitting in the middle of the pack and always discussed ever since the start of the year. I think there's a real strong chance that um, it may be that, you know, kind of indie darling that sneaks in there and just kind of shocks us with how much um, praise and how much it starts winning as we get up to the precursors and stuff. So I think it has a chance to sneak in. 7% is Maestro. It just feels like a movie uh, made to be at the Academy Awards. You know, you can think, of, you could argue that, you know, the Bradley Cooper Jew face controversy may hold it back. But I think with the support of um, the family, and the fact that Bradley Cooper kept up with him the entire time, I, I think that helps his chances and this doesn't escalate beyond uh, Twitter. I'm sorry, um, X. Yeah. Uh, holdovers, it, it feels like another another movie designed for the um, Oscars as well. It kind of got that green book vibe, that kind of you know feel-good comedy, um, not, but not, not like a full comedy, like comedy drama. Um, similar to also Banshees of Inertion last year, um, I think it really can do some wonders there. We'll have to see though. Color Purple, uh, the last one done by Steven Spielberg. I think that's tied for the most nominations by um, for a film that didn't win anything. I think it may get some redemption here. It will definitely win something. Uh, we'll have to see if it's any good or not, but it's, it's a classic story. Um, all right, move on to the big ones now. Uh, so Color Purple is 15%. Oppenheimer, I got it at 23%. Uh, everyone's loving it, except for Logan Paul. Um, so, But that, that doesn't mean much to the Academy. It probably helps Oppenheimer's chances, if anything. Uh, but yeah, sitting at 23%, it's a strong strong rating. Everyone's loved it. Critics have loved it. Uh, it's making a killing in the box office. I think everything's working in favor for it. If it can campaign well um, for the Oscar season, it has a really real chance at doing it. Um, but the, the whole pack is just flooded with lots of good competition there, so we'll have to see. And I'm putting most of my faith in Killers of the Flower Moon. Uh, Robert De Niro, Martin Scorsese, Leonardo DiCaprio, I don't really need to say much else. They're a powerhouse. They are cinema legacy, and from what we're hearing, it's just as, if not better than what Oppenheimer is. So um, I think there's a really strong chance, but it's going to be 
I think it's going to be opening New York Film Festival coming up. So we'll have to see. But yeah, I think I think those two are the big ones for the year. Uh, you never know with Oscars. They There's always one that kind of pops up and becomes a really strong contender. So yeah, Nam, what do you think of the pie? Yeah, I agree with it. Um, I put Dune a bit lower, probably in the three percent bracket. Oh yeah. Um, that's probably what I'll do. Um, mm. but I completely agree with the top two. I think Killers is going to dominate along with Oppenheimer, and I think Barbie yeah. will probably have like the most nominations, but no wins, or like yeah. not as many wins. Mm. Um, but yeah, no, it's quite quite accurate. Um, this also depends if some stuff gets delayed or not, such as um poor things, the color purple and doom. Um obviously. yeah, yeah. But especially yeah. Uh, mm, sorry. Yeah, I think uh, it's gonna be killer's Oscar season for sure. Yeah, no, it's, it's definitely a chance. Oppenheim obviously stands a good chance. Um, but you know, there's always those ones that can they can sneak in there. That, I don't think the color. That, that's per- the battle. That's the battle. Yeah. What, what, we, we need to make that into a meme. Barbie or something. <laughs> we'll just start the next one and then they both win best picture. They split the trophy. No. Or they, they, do, or they do it like a La La Land and, and Moonlight. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> How awkward would that be? Like they announce Oppenheimer first and Nolan's like hyped to like win his first ever Oscar for directing. And then they're like, oh, actually it's just Scorsese again. Oh, that would hurt. That would hurt. Um, imagine if they just said like the winner of best pictures is Barbenheimer and both groups just go up. <laughs> that would, that'd be even more awkward. Because it saved the film industry. <laughs> um, but no, no, going going back to your points, the color purple, I think it does have a chance to um really you know make some big moves if it is as good as steven spielberg's it's a hard task to do but it's got the it's got the talent behind it um but i i don't see it moving i just i I feel like warner brothers are smart enough to know that it's a good shout for um you know oscar season and i don't think they want to jeopardize it by pushing it an entire year back and I don't think they'd push it back, you know, to March next year or anything like that. So yeah. we'll have to see. Hopefully these strikes end uh, somewhat soon and, you know, the competition becomes, uh, is still very strong. But yeah, Killers and Oppenheimer, it's going to be, it's going to be a good battle as we get closer to it. All right. We're going to talk about some, uh, you guessed it, MCU stuff. <laughs> um, as we always do, there's always something to discuss. Uh but no DC. So that's kind of a win for us um, at this point. All right. So the upcoming uh, Avengers films, Avengers Kang Dynasty and Avengers Secret War. Some little uh, rumors floating about. And I thought it'd be an interesting discussion because I think they are very, they're very interesting and they can, um, you know, provide a quite, uh, just a, quite an interesting conversation. So apparently Avengers Kang Dynasty is about the new Avengers, you know, Shang-Chi, Miss Marvel, those kind of ones that, that have come in. Um, and then Avengers Secret Wars is to be the MCU legacy multiverse characters. They're coming together to save the MCU and reestablish the sacred timeline, which is that timeline that was established in Loki season one that Kang was protecting. So um, to get that back on track. 
And it's really just, um, it was described in a way that was kind of reminiscent of what the Flash aimed to do with the DCU, kind of the soft reboot um, method. And so apparently it's going to be a send off to the entire Fox universe and also to kind of close off the MCU. And in the aftermath, it will be an all new, all different MCU. So that's that's pretty big. If this comes to comes to fruition, that's a that's very big news, and it kind of changes the biggest franchise in history. What do, what what do you think about this? Yeah, if King Dynasty is only going to be having new Avengers in it, then it's going to be pretty shit. I mean, we've only <laughs> had like what one film each, if that, of those characters, and they're going to be there leading. Like, fuck off, no way. They'll oh, at least have. They'll at least have like some sort of established proper main Avenger mm. in there. Um, because that just having one movie each is not enough to build towards an Avengers film. At least mm. it could be like, oh, what about phase one? No, shut up. Because at least phase <laughs> at least with phase one, you had like they were all very popular like characters of Marvel and Iron Man had like two films before um we got mm. to that. And then that cut catapulted into like more sequels for those characters, but these guys only have like one film. They might be lucky enough to get two, some of them. Um yeah. Miss Marvel is probably has the most experience right now, film and time wise, because you know, oh, she's yeah. gonna be she's gonna be in the Marvels and she had her own TV um series. Um mm. so yeah. Um Secret Wars though, that's very interesting. I'd really like to see that happen. I don't know yeah. if um Marvel Studios has the balls to do it, but that'll be yeah. awesome if they did do that, you know, just like send off the Fox universe cut ties with the MCU and just start from fresh. I don't know mm. how that I don't know what it means by an all different MCU. Um does it mean it's basically going to get rebooted with, you know, a different Captain America and a different Iron Man? Or is it just going to be like these new Avengers and like a new universe? Um mm. that'll be interesting. I'll probably prefer yeah. the first point that I made. Just like mm. a complete reboot and just tell different stories. Um, yeah. What we've seen. Um but it, yeah. I don't think Marvel has the balls to do it, but if they do, fuck, that's going to be awesome. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. No, the, the Secret Wars one um, is definitely surprising, especially if it's like a team up of like the legacy characters. You yeah. know, like if you get like Hugh Jackman's Wolverine and Andrew Garfield as Spider Man come in and all that kind of stuff. But, I mean, it would be very cool to see. I don't know if it really, um, if they could make it work in a way that made uh, Endgame so great. You know, I think what makes Endgame and Infinity War so great is that there's so much, you know, emotion and uh, urgency behind that entire plot. I don't know if it could replicate what that is, but at least kind of visually and seeing all those characters together, it'd be really cool to see. Um, I don't know if I'd like it. I, I know that I would have fun with it, but in terms of what it does to the MCU, I don't think I would um, enjoy it because, you know, I just can't capture what Infinity War and Endgame did. I don't know if we'll ever get back to that kind of quality of the MCU. Kang Dynasty with just the new Avengers. I think I think you, you nailed it on the head in terms of not um not not caring and, and it might be shit. Um obviously it can be good. Um but it's just like yeah, phase one had all had one movie per character, except for Iron Man, of course. But he, they, more people watched those movies um, and they were good and you know people weren't so unsure about um, that universe at that time 
So I think it was a lot more safe to do the Avengers back then. And also there was only six Avengers. There wasn't, um, you know, 10 or 15. So I don't know how it's going, how, how that's going to work. Um, but in terms of it's, um, you know, kind of closing off the MCU and opening up with an all new or different MCU, I think it just means, um, you know, if they are trying to get the, the sacred timeline back and in motion, I think we're just going to see like it almost completely rebooted but like yeah still the mcu just yeah all different um all new and it kind of gives them a chance to start start again in a sense i think i think it is probably the best move for them because they've they've expanded too much i keep telling you i'm so sick of every mid-credit scene of just you know skippy mcdippy just showing up and be like yo i'm here <laughs> um, <laughs> and it's just like who are you why do i care and i have to wait like five years to see that character again there's too much characters there's too much worlds it's too much the power levels are ridiculously out of out of whack like there's no power control like i thought captain marvel was the most powerful and now it's Gaia off secret invasion yeah. and i'm like who who is like the dominant force here if you have the Avengers, no one should be able to beat them. It just, yeah, it doesn't make sense to me. I think they should go this route and close off nearly everything that you've done so far um, and kind of, yeah, just start fresh. Start start just a little bit fresh. I, I could really get on board with that if it's done right. But there's a chance that if they do this wrong, this kind of reboot, it could kill the entire MCU. And box office and you know everything else and and the fan base could completely drop out because you know i think we've invested like years of our life being very invested with this franchise if they just be like oh no yeah by the way we're just going to do like a little soft reboot don't don't worry about it people are going to be like ah damn i kind of you know spent all this time being invested and stuff and now you're just moving on to something new i won't bother doing that again because that was a lot of time and effort yeah. kind of thing yeah, yeah, I think that might that could so it is a risk, but if they make it a, in a way that makes sense, then I think it can work. But yeah, no, we're we're sick of the Skippy McDippies. Just focus on your main characters. Fucking skip. <laughs> All right. Yes. So we move on to the live action Tangled movie, which is going to be based on Rapunzel, of course. Got the very long golden hair. All right, so apparently Disney is eyeing up Florence Pugh as the heavy frontrunner for for this movie. Uh, there's going to be nothing official announced until the you know SAG after strikes have ended. But Nayan, based on this rumor that Florence Pugh is the frontrunner for it, what do you think? Is she a good casting pick for it? Uh, I could get on board with this rumor. I think it's a very good um, casting. Yeah, um, we all know that Florence Pugh is a very capable actor, mm -hmm. actress. Um, yep. And I definitely think she'll be able to do the role as of Rapunzel justice. Mm -hmm. um, but it really depends on who she's um, partnering up with. I think it's Flynn. Flint? Yeah, Flynn. Yeah. Flynn. I think, mm -hmm. you know, that whoever they cast in that role needs to make sure that they have good chemistry with Florence Pugh because if it's just Florence Pugh, like pretty much carrying all the scenes, then yeah. it's just going to come off like quite shit. And then <clears throat> obviously she'll probably end up getting. Um, the short end of the stick on it and majority of the criticisms will go her way for you know delivering a bad film if she's mm. um the lead um yeah but yeah i think she'll be absolutely fantastic in this role i don't know if she can sing or not though that's the only other thing um 
I can't think of anything. Yeah, me, me yeah. neither. So I think that that would probably be the first hurdle for her to um, mm-hmm. jump over. If she can already sing, then fuck, ignore what I'm about to say. Yeah. But um, <laughs> yeah, if she can't, then she'll probably need to like, I don't, I know that you can like have acting classes and so maybe like singing classes. Mm. Um, and if she's yeah. really wanting that role, then she can put that effort into um, that yep. to make her a capable singer in. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I, I, th- I think she would. She seems like um, an actress that really, uh, carries herself and dedicates herself to every character that she portrays. So you you got to admire that. Um, going back to the the Flynn thing, Zachary Levi plays uh Flynn in the animated one, and um I was doing some research for the for this topic, and he he asked um to play Flynn in the live action because he was like, uh, oh he was he was saying um oh yeah I heard that Florence Pugh might be Rapunzel um that they should have me because my real last name is pew and then we can say pew pew and um the during filming um so so what about me or something like that and i was just like oh my gosh like that guy's so cringe come on (laughs) uh do you remember that like long um live instagram live that we watched of him just justifying everything yes i do that was also a cringe (laughs) <laughs> so I, I okay i hope it's not um zachary levi despite the the pew pew jokes um i don't know who could really bounce off florence pew that well i'm sure there's a number of candidates that uh could play that role um it really just depends on what direction they want to take the rapunzel movie i guess but i think florence pew is a, a great addition she, she she obviously looks the part you know got the got the blonde hair the green eyes and um all that and you know, on on an acting ability, she's one of the best in the business right now. At least for her age, she's one of the best. Um, so you know, you put Florence Pugh in anything, and uh, you you know, you're gonna get gold when it comes to um her performance. Uh, yeah, I, I really have nothing else to add besides that. Yeah. All right, another uh Disney princess that is coming to live action is. Princess Tiana from The Princess and the Frog. Princess and the Frog, yeah. Uh, Lupa Nyong'o is being eyed up by Disney um, for the live-action remake. Now, Princess Tiana is a nineteen-year-old, nineteen-year-old um, girl in the in the animated one, and Lupa Nyong'o is forty years old, um, and her age in the movie plays a big relevance to how she acts and what she wants to do in her life and stuff like that. So I'm quite interested on that point. So we'll focus on that before the other stuff. But yeah, what what do you think about that? The massive age difference when it's quite integral to the character? I mean, depends on how close to the story they're going to get. I've never seen Princess and the Frog, so I don't know the story. Right. Um, But but if the story is like dead hard set on her being a 19-year-old and like that's Mm. the whole point of um her character development and everything like that then you probably should cast yeah. probably not quite a 19 year old but you know within the 25 to 18 sort of range you know mm. rather yeah. than a 40 year old well um, um in terms of the story she she's like i think she's an aspiring chef and she she's like uh independent and, and a hard worker and wants to like run her own uh restaurant but her dad wants her to focus on other things like uh family and all that kind of stuff so the, you got the kind of daughter father relationship that, so that's, I, that's why I consider it and quite integral to the character. Um, cause she has dreams and stuff like that. Yeah. Yeah. 
Yeah, so any anyone that's watched that film in that case and is a diehard fan would just wouldn't be able to believe it if it's Slupta um having those mm-hmm. like aspirations and dreams yep. just because she's um quite older, you know, 40, 40 odd years old. Um, then you can definitely see that. Um, unless they go with the whole de-aging sort of look, but then to like de-age your de-age your main character for it's a real two-hour movie. Yeah, I'm sure the original is like an hour and a half or something. Yeah, <laughs> um, that's, that's going to cost a lot. So they might as well just um find another actress that's within that um age range. Um, she's a fantastic actress, and no doubt she'll be able to nail the role. Yeah, um, yeah, but yeah, just might as well. It's a perfect opportunity to build up a new star. Yeah, oh, hundred percent. Um, I I mean, I like Lupita Younger as um. As an actress, I, I think she is very, very good, extremely talented, and yeah, she she, she is definitely one of one of the best out there today. Um, but I just I just don't think this role is for her. I I think the age thing does play a part in it, but if she was to be cast in the role, I'm not going to be angry or disappointed or not interested in it because I know what Lupita can do as an actress. But in terms of adapting uh, the story as not, maybe not as close as possible, but kind of keeping the same story beats to it. You kind of got to go that that younger route and, you know, find someone with who has kind of Lupita's acting ability, but the the younger age that can, you know, be realistic and audiences can buy into her age and her, you know, aspirations and stuff. So, yeah, um, it, it's going to be interesting. All this talk about live action, um, Princess, is it just kind of, makes me sad that that's all we're getting just live action remakes so uh yeah basically basically but i do recommend watching princess and the frog i i do like the movie it is good um yeah. I'll, I'll get to it. i can't remember if i brought it on my you know how when the announcement of um disney was pulling all their stuff from australia and new zealand for 4k mm, yeah. i can't remember if i put it on my cart or not i don't i think i had it and then i ended up dropping it can't remember i have yeah. to go home and have a look i i got it i can let you borrow it if you don't have it um but it, it, I think it's got the like same design cover as like a lot of the other ones. So I was like, oh, I need it because it kind of just all matches my other stuff. But yeah, yeah I'll I'll let you borrow it. If not, you can watch it. I'll give you your avatar back in the in due time. Oh, yo, I have your avatar for a while now. You do. You have <laughs> a month to watch it. <laughs> unless, unless you come back for Warriors, then, then you can send it down. Yeah, or come oh, up yeah, for Warriors. I, pro- I probably will. Yeah. Um. All right, well, we'll move on to House of the Dragon now. I finished it last night, so I can finally talk about it. Um, and man, what what a season. Like the first five episodes, I, I nearly gave up because I was like, oh, this is boring. I I don't know what's going on. There, there's too much and it's not leading or moving forward in any way. And then it started to click together and unravel and um get super interesting and i i started to click with the characters and what was happening and i was like oh okay this is good and then the the ending was just like oh can't wait for the next one now so <laughs> yeah it, 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 it became really good by the end of it. i did really enjoy it but oh it's just just another one off my um tv watch list that i get to knock off and start the i get to start uh another show that i need to catch up on so yeah we're getting through it but house of the dragon is a goodie and i cannot wait for uh, the season next year. But we have heard that it's not going to be 10 episodes. It is being condensed down to eight episodes long. So apparently the episodes are jam-packed with emotional and exciting sequences. 
and there's just so much happening in every episode, according to the the director. It says that all the pieces are on the board, and now that they're set, they get to move on to the next chapter. So it sounds pretty exciting, and we definitely got that uh, vibe from the end of the uh, first season. But uh, we've seen this tale before because George R. R. Martin says the TV series needs to be four seasons, 10 episodes each to do the story justice. Um, we saw him say the same remarks regarding Game of Thrones and the closeout of those final two seasons. Uh, it should have been longer, and I think we can all agree on that. Um, so what do you think about this again, where they're not really going the George R. R. Martin route, they're going the HBO route? They're idiots, obviously. <laughs> Game of Thrones had the potential to literally be one of the greatest TV series of all time, and those last two seasons completely fucked it over. And yeah, it's gotten yeah. so many criticisms that you'd think that, you know, they'll learn mm. from their mistakes and clearly yeah. not based on this. I mean, you literally have the creator of this entire world wanting you to chuck on an extra two episodes per season and you can do mm. the story justice and a lot more to flesh out. Yeah, um, And the fact that they just blatantly going to ignore this um, and go with the eight episodes route is just, they're going to have like another 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 game of thrones season seven and eight on our hands really uh, yeah. it's just quite sad to see because as, as you said you you said that you're quite bored for like the first um few episodes of it because um, mm-hmm. that was where it was like you know building up those characters and exactly everything. yeah compared to season one of game of thrones it was exactly the same game yep. of thrones didn't really kick into gear until like the last final two episodes yeah and then from there it became a phenomenon mm-hmm so the same thing is obviously is happening with this. If you're going to reduce it and force all the emotion and all the action within eight episodes, you're not going to let everything breathe and, you know, get mm. fleshed out nicely. It's just going to be like rush, 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 rush. Yeah. Um, so hopefully it's not too late and they can change their decision <laughs> um, come season three or four or if it gets that far. But yeah. God, <laughs> learn from your mistakes. <laughs> uh Yeah. Um, because I was reading some of the stuff on it and apparently they're saying we're, we're having trouble like cutting each episode to an hour. I'm like, then make it 10 episodes. You don't need to cut all this material. And, you know, go, going back to what you just said about um, me being, you know, quite bored at the start of it um, and being a little bit lost, like the back end of the her season one was so good because of the first season. Like sure, the 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 slow burn is quite tough to get through, but like it makes when everything unravels, it makes it completely worth it because you're like, oh shit, this is what it was leading to. Oh, that's clever and stuff exactly. like that. Yeah. So uh, I I don't know. Like, what do, what do they think of the audience that they just need action all the time and then they need all the stuff? Like, I think if your writing's good and compelling, they'll stay on. They'll stay committed to watching these things play out, and then. You know, those big moments that you do have the exciting stuff that, they, that they're saying for all these episodes, uh, they're going to be so much worth it by the time we wait for it and get to it. Yeah. yeah. Um, but yeah, like, so does this impact your excitement? Because I don't really know much of your opinion on the first season or House of the Dragon in general. Um, so wh- what do you think about the, the series? And uh, what do you, are you excited for season two? Yeah, I, I enjoyed the series. Um. I don't think I was bored throughout it. Um, the whole thing, I was quite excited for each episode and you yeah. know, it left me hanging similar to mm-hmm. um, Game of Thrones. You were just wanting more and more um, next week. 
Yeah. Um, I thought that ending was fantastic. Um, because mm-hmm. I don't know much about I don't know if it's a book or not, or based on a book or it is a book, yeah. Yeah, whatever. But mm-hmm. I wasn't expecting, you know, that massive dragon to do what it did in like yeah. one bite. <laughs> you know, that was insane. Yeah. Um, and yeah, and and that that final shot, you can definitely see like um what's her name? R- Rahina? R- Ranera. Ranera. She she's yeah. gonna come out for vengeance and mm-hmm. stuff like that. I mean, yeah, yeah. The, the sad thing is that it's not even like Aemon Targaryen's fault. Like, it's, the dragon just did it on its own accord. Um, yeah, because yeah, the they the both of the dragons were just having a fight and they were just riding it. So yeah, it's gonna be yeah. based on misunderstandings. Which yeah, is annoying, but much. yeah. <laughs> um, in regards to am I still excited for season two? Yeah, I am. Mm. Um, just because the way that the whole first season was and the way it ended, um, it definitely just because of this eight episode um length doesn't mean that I can't get excited over it. I'll definitely be a, li- a lot more cautious now mm-hmm. um, in regards to what I'm going to get. I'm going to probably set the expectations for it to be based on season seven and eight of Game of Thrones. Yeah. Um, if it goes above that, which is not that high of a bar, then awesome. If it, yeah. If it's on par or below, then fuck, HBO needs to actually like listen and <laughs> yeah. see that they are the problem. Trust your main creator. Um. But yeah, no, I, I think the series is definitely uh, one that should be indulged in once a week. I, I think kind of binging it or watching it back to back is it, it's a hard process because when you're doing like three hours of like just dialogue driven episodes, kind of like a lot at the at once, you need to allow yeah. it to digest it. I think that's where I went wrong with it. Um, but I won't have that problem with the second season. Um, but yeah, I'm excited for it and I think it will be a be interesting, but. Yeah, though the eight episodes and not listen to George R. R. Martin does raise a little bit, raise a little bit of concerns there. Definitely. All right. You know what's more concerning though? Oh. Logan Paul. As soon as I saw this news, I knew I was going to be on the uh, show notes for today. It, it, it's a little goofy ending for us. We're not we're not going to take it that seriously. Um, everyone's entitled to their own opinion, as bad as it may be. But Logan Paul, he. Uh, he walked out of Oppenheimer. Yeah, he walked out of it. He didn't dislike it. He walked out. Um, so he was discussing Talk To Me with the directors on his podcast, and he congratulated them for having a higher Rotten Tomatoes score than Oppenheimer. Uh, he then said that he tried to watch Oppenheimer before walking out of the film, saying he didn't know what they were trying to do and saying that it's just talking. It's just exposition. Um, but in past times, you know, he said that, uh, he was very close to walking out at Interstellar because it was so slow. But now it's his top three film of all time. Um, so maybe, maybe there's a chance one day that Oppenheimer makes his uh, all-time list. We'll have to see. But for now, he's walked out of Oppenheimer, says it's just talking, and it's uh, very, very big news. I saw the uh, tweet from Culture Crave. 34 million people have seen that tweet. Um, yeah. So that it's making big news um but yeah what are your thoughts on his comments here uh you can always guarantee uh logan paul to like stir up some controversy or be like the hot mm. topic for like certain amounts and you know have a great discussion point um yeah. that'll be like wrestling his videos or boxing and now movies mm-hmm. you know so this is obviously bringing more attention to oppenheimer um, yeah, whether it's good or bad, who knows? But it's definitely being put in the spotlight a lot more, along with Logan Paul. Um, yeah, I think he's an idiot for sure. <laughs> but hey, yeah. he's a 
he, he's a millennial so he can shit on me all he wants yeah um <laughs> but yeah just the fact that into he said that he was close to working out for interstellar now it's his um top three of all time does that like not show you to stick around yeah um, especially for a christopher nolan movie because if you're considering that and then by the time you you walked out of that film you're like oh shit this is fantastic yeah you know the same thing could have happened with oppenheimer and oppenheimer it does have a slow start and then it kicks in in the middle and then it slows down again and then yep. the ending is just gets you um, yeah it so, really does yeah so I'd, mm. I'd actually really love to know his thoughts when and if he ever sees it in it's in its entirety what he actually thinks of oppenheimer yeah I, yeah because I, I want to know where it ranks in his um in his favorite movies of all time and whether he thought walking out the first time was the right move because to be fair the first time you see this movie has to be in a cinema yeah like, yeah you can't watch it at home unless, unless he has like a full-on movie you know yeah with like a at his massive house. surround system uh which yeah. he probably does he's a very very uh rich guy um but, yeah i hope he does give it another go and i hope he does enjoy it uh did you did you see all the memes about it uh, no, I haven't seen any memes. I just saw the news, oh. laughed, and just kept yeah. scrolling. I, I, I don't know if I should say it on here, but um, but the, the memes. Do you remember that incident that happened years ago where um, he videoed in the Japanese forest? The yeah, yeah, yeah. and he's like, oh, but, all the memes are but, like referring back to that and being like, oh, do you not see any of this? Is that why or stuff like that? <laughs> um, so it was like really brutal and like really like um, you know, just a lot of dark humor there, but. Yeah, honestly, I I don't know if this. Do you think this speaks more to like a a larger problem with like casual audiences, or do you think it's just Logan Paul? Um, <clears throat> bit of question, both. But yeah, a bit of both. I think Logan Paul is the casual audience. You know, he's not quite significant in the entertainment industry apart from you know sports, mm. entertainment, sports, and his YouTube. Yeah. Um, other than that, he doesn't really bring anything to movies or TV. Mm-hmm. Um, so he could be put into that, you know, the that category of um, who said it? Uh, Charlie Kaufman, who yeah. said um, they're making content for garbage. Um, yeah. Because it suits, you know, the people that enjoy garbage, which is Logan Paul, clearly. <laughs> um, so he he clearly likes those sort of big blockbusters, blustery sort of um films and when a good film comes his way he just finds it boring because he doesn't allow for the story to play it's you know to take its time and get to yeah. its point yeah i i don't personally if you don't finish a movie you don't really deserve to have an opinion on it that is just my view because you haven't seen the movie so yeah like me saying uh blue beetle was bad i've never i've never seen the movie um and if i walked out of it then I still haven't seen it. You know, you got to see a movie in its entirety. And, you know, a lot of those movies, you know, the final five minutes can really define how good or bad a movie is. Um, We're just talking about Game of Thrones, you know, that's brilliant for the most part, but the ending kills the entire thing. So, yeah, the endings make or break a movie. Um, So, yeah, bit of silly comments here. Um, And I thought it was a bit silly that it's become like such big news now, but uh, we live... Uh, in the day and age where you know things blow up on the internet for no reason um yep but yeah that is gonna do it for us on today's episode um if you hear any uh weird cuts or anything like that just yeah please forgive us we are 
working remotely and you know we're running through zoom on a free account here and you have to stop and start every 40 minutes so uh it was a little bit awkward doing this but um yeah we hope that you did enjoy our discussion today and yeah thanks for tuning in your support and engagement does mean a lot to us if you liked what you heard follow us on your favorite podcast platform consider giving us a rating as well stay connected with us on twitter and youtube too before we say goodbye we just want to hear your thoughts do you agree with all our discussions today more importantly did you agree with logan paul or disagree with him um whatever it is whatever you thought head on over to at movie gains on twitter i mean i mean x sorry uh still trying to get used to that and yeah let us know your thoughts and as always visit moviegains.com for 4k movie movie reviews box office analysis and award season coverage sign up to our weekly email newsletter to stay up to date and never miss a beat thanks again for joining us and we'll catch you next time keep bringing the hype peace see you later